Father, we just thank you that you are at work right here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church, that you are always good, and Lord, that you always know what is best. Lord, we thank you for answering prayer. We thank you for using us in, our, in your service. We thank you uh, for using our church to be a blessing to other churches and Lord, uh, the good attendance this morning, people that were here, and Lord, the fact that uh, this one trusted you as their Savior last week, and others are uh, the one joined the church this morning, and and Lord, uh, promises of things yet to come in the future. Lord, we just thank you that you're working in lives. We thank you that you're working in our lives individually. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother, and turn once again to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And we're going through a series on Sunday nights on the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, let's just read through those two verses again. Such a short little passage for an incredibly profound Truth. Let's read verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And as we look at these two verses, we have to put it in its context. It is in direct opposition to the works of the flesh. And uh, that is telling us here that this is not something you can work at. Have you ever tried to work at loving someone? It lasts as long as you have effort to expend. But once you run out of effort, the love goes right with the effort now, doesn't it? And right back to strife. And sometimes, unfortunately, this happens between people. And yet, fruit is not something you work at. I mean, you do. uh, But fruit is a natural result. If you have a healthy tree. I have a little key lime tree on my desk now. And... uh, That was my Father's Day present last year. It's still alive. Uh, Miracle of miracle. It survived the renovations and being set here and there and getting covered with dust and all the other things that happened. Um, Is it going to have limes? Well, time will tell. We will see. Um, But fruit takes time to grow. And by the way, you don't produce the fruit. The tree produces the fruit. The tree is the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit in our life. And last uh, Sunday night, we talked about love. And the Holy Spirit produces love. How does the Holy Spirit produce that love in our life? If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. 
Love will make me obedient to Christ, and my obedience to Christ will be the best thing that has ever happened to everybody around me. In fact, if I truly want to love other human beings, what I need to do is make my life more obedient to Christ, and I will automatically love and do what is absolutely best for those around me. How many of you have ever kind of goofed up on a day? And I mean, it just bummed you out and you're in a bad attitude and you're just miserable to be around because you can't stand yourself. Anybody have been there? Uh, I see a few honest hands going up. I mean, a few heads going like this. I'm not going to raise my hand and tell everybody, but I mean, I'm there. Uh, We've all done that. What do we do? We take our focus off the Lord Jesus Christ. We put it on our failures and we can't help but have a rotten day. Hopefully it only lasts a day. Amen. But when we keep our eyes on Christ, when he is our focus, when the Holy Spirit has freedom to do that work in our life, he is going to produce true and honest love that will bleed over. The old time preacher used to say, listen, he said, you got to get the cup full. And it runs over and fills up Mr. Saucer. He said, and then it fills the saucer and runs out on the table and everybody gets up. Now, don't do that when you're pouring coffee. But that ought to be a picture of your life. The Lord ought to fill us. If we try to be a blessing with what we are, we're going to run out of stuff. We're going to run out of self. We've got to let the Lord fill us to overflowing. And that's where this next word comes in. The next fruit that we're looking at is joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I could probably use a little more joy in my life. How about you? Uh, Joy is one of those things. Now, we have a modern word that is a very close kin to the English word joy. We call it enjoy. Enjoy means to be in a state of joy. And so, as we pull that uh, chair into the table and there is a wonderful meal set in front of us, what are we going to do? Oh, I'm going to enjoy myself. Now, the word, the true word joy and enjoy has a lot deeper meaning than just temporarily satisfying some desire, but it also has an awful lot to do with being in a state of happiness, or the word the Oxford English Dictionary used was the word bliss. Uh, It is being at a point to where I am overwhelmed with feelings of goodness. Now, when you eat some wonderful food, it only lasts until you eat too much of it. Then you're overwhelmed with feelings, but it's not bliss. Let me tell you, there's no joy there. Uh, You've got to wait until that thing works its way through before you survive that point. But let me ask you a question. Can you have too much joy? Can you have too much love? 
well, I, I might get so happy I can't stand myself. Um, I don't know. I'd like to try that sometime. How about you? To be so overwhelmed with God's work in your life. That's what the word joy is. Now, being that uh, I am the kind of preacher I'm gonna, uh, I am, we're going to start on the negative side of this thing uh, in Deuteronomy because this is the first mention of the word joy or joyfulness or any of its form. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And sometimes, and I believe certainly in the instance of the word joy, uh, it is so easy for us to focus on what makes us happy. Is that what true joy is? No. True joy is a state that I can experience an emotion that happens to me when God is pleased with what's going on in my life. Now, wouldn't that be wonderful? Many children, one thing children need is they need the approval of their parents. They need their parents to talk to them about good things in their life that they are doing. Now, be careful. Don't praise your children for foolishness. That's not helpful. But when they get it right, acknowledge them for that. When they do something the way that you ask them to do something, say, good job. Don't go, you finally did it right. Children need that. It is part of their sense of their environment. And when children, well, my children, when they're sitting in church and they're, they're looking at me and I'm looking at them, they're trying to figure out now, is he happy with me? Or did I do something bad? And when you're doing something good, you have nothing to be afraid of, do you, Esther? It's kind of nice. When you're doing something bad, it's not so much fun. Now, when the Holy Spirit works in our life and we actually open our eyes and see that it is God that's doing a work, and I don't know about you, I have not planned the last several weeks of sermons, but boy, they sure all seem to be running along a certain theme here and, uh, and, and putting together, it is not you and I, it is God that is doing the work. Amen. Now, we come here to chapter 28, and God is going through, and He is trying to give a final summary to His law. And chapter 28, let's start in verse 1, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all His commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And he goes on and explains the state of blessing that God wants to pour out upon his people Israel for their obedience to his laws. 
Go down with me to verse 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. And they shall be upon thee for a sign and for a wonder and upon thy seed forever. Now look at verse 47. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness. Now, doesn't that strike you as a little strange? Because, I mean, we're conditioned. Okay, got to do right. It's not going to be pleasant. I'm going to eat my spinach. I'm going to show up for Sunday school. I'm going to eat raw asparagus uh, just because it's good for me. Thing is, I love raw asparagus. I don't know what the problem is with that, but most people don't like what's good for them, and they put serving God there with a long list of things that they don't like to do, but they know they ought to do. God says, Man, I'm going to judge you, Israel, because you did not serve me with joyfulness. Let's read the rest of the verse here. With joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. You say, well, wait, wait a minute. Gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Can I trust God to supply my needs no matter what? Can I trust that he's in charge? You see, that's what it's talking about for the abundance of all things. Gladness of heart with joyfulness, knowing that what I'm doing is what God wants me to do and that he will always provide. It's been amazing. I mean, studying the history of our church, going over things. Do you know who paid our first rent bill for us? Brother Clayton did. He was the preacher. See, normally when preachers come in, you give them a love offering. Brother Clayton said, how much is the rent in the office space for the first three days? I said, well, it's $300. This was up on 23rd uh, Avenue, 31st Street, which is where we had our first three services. And the rent for Thursday through Sunday, the four days actually, was $300. Brother Clayton paid our rent for us. Now, we tried to scrape up a love offering for him, but being that the whole church only had two adult members, that was my wife and I, uh, it was kind of hard to come up with a love offering that even equaled the rent that he had already paid. Uh, we have blessed Brother Clayton a little greater than that in years gone by and looking forward to him being with us again next year on our 20th, uh, by God's grace. But, you know what? It didn't feel like we had the abundance of all things back then. But we could still have joy knowing that God had given us everything we needed to serve Him. You know, that's something. That if the Holy Spirit of God doesn't do the work in your heart, no one 
Nothing else can. In fact, there's something, another word connected very closely to joy, contentedness, contentment. But godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Have you ever met somebody that they spent their whole life just wanting the next thing? I knew a guy, all his entire life was built around owning a Cadillac. He finally got it. He lost everything else to get it. He lost the love and respect of his family members. He lost his marriage. He lost anybody that cared anything about him, but he had his Cadillac. Now, let me tell you, he was happy, but he had no joy. And when he died, they tried to sell the thing. But it was worthless. He had run the wheels off of it. You know, when you die, what are you going to leave? That's something that joy is talking about. Now, Brother Clayton described me one time when I was working for him. He said, now, Pete, you've got to work on this. He says, you only have one attitude, and it's not very good. One emotion. And uh, I tend to look toward the negative side of things. You know why? Because when I die, I don't want to be there. Amen? I'd like to be on the positive side of things. I want God's joy. But there's an awful lot out there that steals joy. Amen? I thought about preaching this whole message on joy stealers, but we don't have enough time to cover all of those. But God is pronouncing judgment upon his people, not because they didn't do the right things, but because they did not do it with joy. They did not look to God, and when they finally obeyed His Word, they did not have that state or that feeling of joy because they were looking for something bigger and better than God's Word. When we work in the cause of missions, let me tell you, there's always somebody looking for something bigger than the local church. Let me tell you, there is nothing bigger in God's program than a local, independent, Bible-believing, Baptist church. That's why we want the bulk of our missionary endeavor to be supporting men who are starting churches. That's why I go to meetings like the one at Buckley Road last week. That was an expensive meeting for our church. But you know what? If people hadn't sacrificed and given... We wouldn't be here today. So what is it time for us to do? Sacrifice? Do a little giving? So that others can get other churches going. I know what an encouragement it was when different people would come up and say, hey, we're going to help you buy that building. Sometimes it was only a $20 bill. We only needed 700000 But you know what? God took every little gift And now we're not worried about a building payment anymore. Amen? 
Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness. You want the joy of God to grow in your heart. You want that fruit of the Spirit. You have got to understand the greatest accomplishment in your life is obedience to this book. You've got to understand the greatest thing that could ever happen to you is to be a faithful, serving member of an independent, Bible-believing Baptist church. If God should ever move you somewhere, let me promise you this, He will not move you to a place where there's not a good church. Unless He's calling you to start a good church there. That's the only reason. And when we allow ourselves to be satisfied, to be overjoyed with the goodness of God that is in His Word, it puts everything else in focus now, doesn't it? What is our, the biggest reason we don't have joy? Is because we don't have what we think we need. Isn't that true? We think we need something else. We think that our accomplishments aren't what they're supposed to be. And I'll tell you, as a young pastor, used to struggle with this and go to the preacher's meetings and, you know, how many do you have? Oh, 500, 300. How long has your church been there? Oh, we've been there for five years and we're already running 300. And I'm sitting there going, we've only been there for 10 years. And we see 100 on really good Sundays. But... That's not the measure, my friend. Never has been, never will be. God did not say, you'll have joy when you emulate or when you copy what somebody else has done. God says, you'll have joy when you let me give you what I'm going to give you in your life. You know, this stops us from looking at other people now, doesn't it? It's one of the reasons why Sunday night we want testimonies. We want to know what God is doing in your life. It may seem small to you. I don't want to discourage the little ones in giving their testimonies. Because God is working in little lives. But adults, there hasn't been a week you've ever lived that God hasn't worked in your life. Amen? But are we satisfied? Uh-oh. There's where we lose our joy. You see, let's look at that verse 47. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. And... A few weeks ago, Peter preached uh, last Sunday and uh, Sunday night in August. He preached, um, or maybe it was Andrew. No, it was when Andrew preached. He talked about how that God was judging his people and he was taking away from them the ability to sacrifice. He was taking their sacrifices away through the famine. Remember the book of Joel? When I have what I need to serve God, 
do I need anything else? As long as these legs will work and get me to church, and I don't have far to go, but as long as they will get me here, I have what I need to be where I'm supposed to be. I should be thankful, amen? As long as I have this book, and by the way, do I need to hold this book in my hand to have it? Do I need to have eyesight to see, to have God's Word? Must I have hearing to hear, to know God's Word? No, I don't need any of those things. God will make a way that I can have His Word if I have His Word. I have what I need. Second Peter has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Let's look at this just a little differently and then we'll try to tie everything up and, and move into our prayer time. What would it take to make you happy? If somebody gave you a million dollars, would that make you happy? Uh, let me tell you, it'd probably cause a whole lot more problems than it would good. Just look at these people that win the lottery. Some of the saddest stories, most depraved hallways of human degradation are connected to winning the lottery. And you know where it all ends? At the cemetery. I mean, remember that guy that was on his last dollar and he bought a lottery ticket and won like $47 million. All of a sudden, he found out he had a wife that he wasn't even aware that he had. She took half of it to start with. It was less than a year. He was dead and in the grave. And more broke and more in debt than when he got the lottery ticket. Terrifying story. But you know, there are people that just live their whole life waiting for their fairy godmother to show up and give them a million bucks. Can I challenge you? You ain't got no fairy godmother, so don't look for her. Amen? What we need is joy. Where does joy come from? It's not you looking at a pot of beans and saying, I got a pot of beans, I'm just so happy. That only lasts for a little while because you're ginning it up on the inside. But if you let the Holy Spirit of God do His work, you'll be satisfied with whatever you have. And your joy cannot be taken away because it's not yours. It belongs to the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said, I want you to pray. I want you to ask in my name that you may ask and you may receive. Why? That your joy... Might be full. James chapter 1 says that we're to have joy when we fall into what? Piles of cash. No, it's not what it says. It says joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that God is in control, that God is the one that's going to use these trials. And let me tell you, I'm not the first one that just goes, yee here we go, trouble again. 
Because it's not something you can do on your own. It's something the Holy Spirit has to do in you. By the way, if you can't trust God with your joy, if you can't trust God with your satisfaction, your contentment, there's an awful lot of other things you're not going to trust God with either, now is there? What did they say in the book of Nehemiah? The joy of the Lord is your strength. What if we only had a little church right here till Jesus comes back? Can we rejoice in the abundance of all things knowing that God is doing His work in our midst? Of course, we're going to strive to reach out By the way, we've got to reach a certain number of people just to keep where we're at. The higher our attendance goes, the more people we've got to reach because people move on. Sometimes they flunk out. I mean, there's just things that are going to happen. There's always going to be that turnover. I remember talking to one preacher. He said, we got to have about 50 people join our church a month just to keep our membership constant. And I'm sitting here going, praise God for a little church. Amen. But listen, he has given us what we need to serve him. He will give us everything we need. He wants our joy to be uh, full. It says that he wants, let me read John chapter 17 very quickly, verse 13. And now come I to thee, and these things speak I, I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. What is Jesus's joy? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame? His joy was his church. People turning from their sins and accepting the Savior. The greatest thing that God could ever use you to do is to bring another soul into his kingdom. Amen? What if you'd been the one that passed out that track, led to that young lady getting saved last Sunday night? Wouldn't that be joy? Yeah. Listen. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. When we get to heaven, he's going to take you. He's going to take your life and he's going to examine it. And in that examination, read Hebrews chapter 13. This is one of the verses in the Bible I'm really not looking forward to. It's talking about preachers are going to have to give an account of the lives of the people in their church. It says, be careful, follow that he might give that account with joy. 
I, I want to be joyful in giving the account. But I'll tell you, I've had to watch an awful lot of people make wrong decisions, and that's not joyful. But when we put our sights on what is the goal, what is the goal? It's to finish this life serving God where he put us. Amen? That's the goal. That's how simple real Christianity is. And if we serve him with that joyfulness for the abundance of all things, when the trials come our way, guess what? Our eyes are not going to be on the trial. It's not going to be on the temptation. It's going to be on the Savior. And all of a sudden, that trouble is not going to be so big anymore. Because the joy is going to be there. It's our strength that gives us the victory over despair. Amen? If you're struggling with sin, don't you think a good joy, a good dose of joy in obedience to your Savior would make that sin so repulsive that you couldn't stand it anymore? Ah, that's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what we need. He grows it. He produces it. There is some work that you have to do. I mean, you've got to make sure that there's soil to plant the tree in. Amen? That it's watered. There are things that the tree keeper, the husbandman, as the Bible calls him, must do. You do that, the Holy Spirit produces the fruit. And who is the beneficiary? What's the best part about fruit? Why? Eating it, of course. Amen? It is the partaking of the fruit. It is enjoying the bounty that that tree has produced. Holy Spirit is the tree. Love. Joy. He produces it. We enjoy And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to have more joy. That you would make us patient enough to wait for the Holy Spirit to develop it. To change those desires. To make us want the things that you want. To make us not just satisfied but amazed with your provision. That we would set the bar where you would set the bar. That success would be your definition. Lord, you said your church was your joy. Hebrews chapter 12. Lord, help us. To let the Holy Spirit grow joy, produce that fruit in our lives. In your name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, just take a moment, keep our heads bowed. If you'd like to spend a moment praying at the altar.